Are you looking for inspiration and words of wisdom so you can go out and launch your own business? This is the Lost and Founded podcast, bringing you raw and relatable stories of successful entrepreneurs, committed startups and personal experiences that are here to inspire, inform and influence. Amanda. I'm Nicola. Today's episode, we'll be speaking to a serial entrepreneur with a passion for empowering female founders and simplifying growth for early stage startups. Having launched her career in several industries with an international background, our guest launched FMC products for companies such as BMW and McKinsey. Through her incredible journey, our guest today is also a published author for the book Dear Female Founder, which contains 66 personal letters of advice written by female entrepreneurs from over 20 countries, available globally and on Amazon and on Kindle. So without further ado, we'd love to welcome Lou Lee, the founder of Blooming Founders. Welcome on the show today, Lou. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, it's nice and sunny outside, so can't complain. Perfect. Well, welcome. And I'm so happy to hear that. So um, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about Blooming Founders and what the key aims of your business are? Yes, sure. So Blooming Founders is a business that I started now almost six years ago. The very early, you know, day one mission of Blooming Founders was to help early stage female entrepreneurs um, succeed in, uh, you know, their entrepreneurial endeavors. And we have been doing that through producing and delivering events where we would gather entrepreneurial women. We would provide education, workshops, conferences, and also operating a co-working space in Shoreditch in London. And yeah, we also produce um, you know, content. Uh, I published a book. We did a video series, all of these things. That sounds amazing. So much going on. It's so nice to hear. And as you just said, you are a published author, which is fantastic. It's quite a big skill to have. So how did you find the motivation and the skill to actually release your own book? What was your, I guess, initial inspiration to think, okay, yes, I want to be an author? So the original inspiration really came through talking to the women after um, events, which is how I got pretty much all of my inspirations, you know, in the very beginning. And I still do now that we don't have events anymore, really, in this pandemic. Um, I still kind of try to talk to people because that's how you get uh, the best ideas because they're they're rooted in real, you know, feedback and insight and, and caters to what people are looking for. So in that particular case with the book, we were talking after an event about role models. And, and that was in 2015 when there was really not that much light shown on female entrepreneurs in London. And, you know, as a result, we were talking about how all the media outlets were talking about Mark Zuckerberg and Richard Branson, you know, all of these figures that we all know, and, you know, they're, they have achieved amazing success, but they're not often relatable to early stage, you know, founders, especially when you're female, uh, when you're not white. And yeah, so we were kind of like talking about that. And it kind of sparked the idea because I have been curating events, inviting speakers, and, and you know, I focus on inviting, you know, more women to come and share their stories about, you know, how they've built their business, etc. So I thought, well, hold on a second, you know, I could create that knowledge or that content and reached out to women entrepreneurs that are more established, more experienced and, uh, you know, create this book that then shares back their advice to, to other people. I mean, men and women, right? So, so that was the original, so I guess, initiation of the book. I think that's so incredible. And the fact that you use almost like your client base to feel inspiration, like 
they are the people that drove you know your thoughts your actions and your thinking in being an entrepreneur to, to making it something more tangible meaningful for you and your business so i guess the question i have for you is how have you used the value of networking and collaborations and actually meeting new people to advance your business yeah I mean, it's a really good question because i think networking is kind of like one of the unwritten rules of success in business Everything, you know, when we don't exist in isolation, nobody does. And if you want to build a business, there's always going to be stakeholders involved, right? So what do you do if you don't know anybody or if you don't tell anybody about what you're doing, right? You, you, you know, you're not really be able to get really far, right? So because I was new in London, so I moved to London in 2014 and didn't know many people i had to put myself out there and get to know the city trying to understand how everything works and that's how i fell into the startup ecosystem which you know has been very welcoming and open apart from the fact that it's male dominated but you know the rest was great <laughs> i saw that you know it, it gave me real value and i wanted to you know kind of to pass that on to other like-minded women and for me it was you know, me building Blooming Founders was also me building a personal brand for myself in the London ecosystem that nobody knew who I was basically, right? Because I'm not from the UK. So that was really helpful. And it just kind of like all synced up really nicely. Um, you know, I was uh, helping other women connect with each other. And at the same time, building the community gave me more legitimacy in the ecosystem. So that worked really well. That's amazing. And as you said, you know, you were looking to build up a community and, you know, build up your own brand. Because as you said, you know, you had just moved there. It was something completely new for you. But when you were at the initial stage, what was sort of the urgency where you were like, I need to work with and help these early age startups rather than focusing on those who are already trading? Because maybe some people would think it's easier to focus on those who are trading. But what gave you that extra push to think, you know what, it's the early stage startups that I want to focus on building? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is, you know, probably commercially better to focus on the ones that are more established, right? Because they're trading, they're generating profits and things like that. But then, you know, again, it's kind of like, I think as for every entrepreneur, you have to work with the things that you have at any given point where you are, right, in your life. I did not know anybody in the UK. So I put myself out there and naturally, you know, I would meet other people who are also very early stage and who didn't know everything and trying to figure things out, right? So you kind of like, you know, you attract like those type of people because these were easier to meet people, right? If I would have had a specific service, so when actually when I came to London, I had, I was actually working as a freelance consultant and I was working with Selfridges, very established big business. And I had a very specific thing to offer to them and other, you know, retailers that are looking to work with the Chinese market. So if you have something like that, yes, you know, definitely go out and find your target clients, which in this case would be established retailers and, you know, shops where, where Chinese people would, you know, shop and spend a lot of money. But that wasn't really satisfying for me, this work. I have done it for just about over a year. I got a little bored from that. And I just personally got more energy through, you know, meeting all of these people and hosting events and, and all that. So I think... It was also like a personal side where I then, you know, sort of just gravitated towards early stage startups because I find it really satisfying to, to see when people then, you know, start to put the puzzle pieces together and it kind of like start to make sense in their heads and, you know, they can see the path forward for themselves because 
I guess everybody who's ever started the business, I mean, the first time you do it, it's pretty unclear, <laughs> you know, what you're supposed to do. I think at the end of the day, it's actually now becomes a personal choice. And I think that's really inspiring because it's almost like you're, you're a mentor as well as, you know, just an, an educator or somebody that's guiding them through their journey. I mean, in that kind of way, you can't really be biased on, on the sort of businesses. You have to be very open-minded because as you said, they're early stage startups and they're still trying to put these sort of missing pieces together. What do you think small businesses in that case then could do to make sure that they're being diverse and fair in hiring new team members for their early stage startups? Yeah, I think it's a, you know, that's a, it's a topic that has come up a lot in the, in the recent years, really good, right? I think people are talking more about it. I personally think that, you know, yes, of course, you know, trying, trying to be more open-minded. It's hard to kind of tell people to be more open-minded if they are not open-minded, basically. So in a sense, you know, I, I, I would assume that this message resonates with people who are already more aware of, of the, the situation. However, I would say for every business that is in the stages of establishing themselves, you have to look at the business basically, right? Yes, if you're looking to hire a marketing person, a, a business development person, do, you know, go the sort of extra mile if, you know, your network isn't sort of very diverse, like go the extra mile to look at more, you know, try to get more applications from, you know, people that are maybe not like you, right? But on the other hand, I do think that, you know, for early stage founders and businesses, it's really important to hire the right people. And sometimes the right people are just basically people that are similar to you. And I personally think this is okay in the very early stages. I think as long as you are sub 10 people in the team, it's still so small that you can still form the culture, you know, because companies, as they grow, they go through quite drastic transformations of sort of how we work together, the culture and things like that, right? Like when you're, you know, to the five people, I mean, everybody knows each other. You can just chat on WhatsApp. You can just communicate like that, right? Everybody will probably feel included. Like there's no issue, right? But when you sort of grow to 10 people and when you grow to over 20 people, that's when those sort of, inclusion issues might even you know come come about right because uh, you know the founders can't speak to 20 people like all the time and where then you know team members might start to feel a bit left out or not included in the conversation and things like that so i i would probably say like you know the diversity and inclusion issues that we see sort of when people are working together probably come a bit more later stage i'm aware that was a very long-minded answer actually so i think my advice for early stage founders is just make sure you get the business right. Because when you, once you get the business right, you can, you know, employ other people, right? And you can grow the business. And then once you grow the business, you know, make sure you're not hiring, like, you know, as you then grow, make sure you're not hiring all the same people. Make sure you go the extra mile in sourcing applications, you know, from more diverse networks, basically. Absolutely. And picking up the point you kind of said of how lots of businesses will obviously have their own transformations here and there where things change, which can lead to other different issues or problems that come up. What were some of the major challenges that you personally had to face when you were building Blooming Founders, you know, to reach the level it's currently at? Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to hiring, it has been actually quite difficult for Blooming Founders as well, because we essentially build an ecosystem of different services, 
And because we're a bootstrapping business, you know, and that's an issue that a lot of bootstrapping businesses have, right? You don't have that much, you know, that many resources to hire a team of five, like all of a sudden. So everybody actually has to, to wear multiple hats to be doing different things, right? Like the office manager also has to be good at business development or events management or social media. So finding people that can actually do many things well is a challenge. <laughs> it's much easier to hire, you know, one person for one job. But, but if you're small, then, you know, everybody that you work with has to be able to do a range of things to a, a good, if not excellent quality. Because also when you're small, if you don't produce excellent quality, you're not really trustworthy. People would just kind of, it's very easy to discard you because like, oh yeah, you know, they're, whatever, like it's a small business, but you always want to be appear bigger as a small business than you actually are, right? <laughs> but you have a resource challenge and that's been difficult um, for Blooming Founders, you know, in the hiring process to find people that can do different things well. They usually were, you know, did one thing well or maybe two things well, but not three or four. So something had to suffer, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's what you basically then take and, you know, just kind of accept and it's like the best you can do at at the time. So that was definitely challenging. And the other thing that was challenging is to just learn about the realities of certain industries. I mean, I have not worked in real estate. We, we opened the co-working space. I had no idea about the real estate industry. Uh, I had no, I never published a book before. Sometimes things go well, like with the book, I had no idea. I published it. You know, we sell, still sell copies like, you know, today it's been going really well. Um, and with the, with uh, real estate, you know, it's a, it's a very particular industry. Obviously it doesn't really go well with the pandemic. <laughs> we were hit by that a lot because also it's a very expensive thing to do. And sometimes, you know, things go down, but that's not really in, in your control with the pandemic, for example. So, so yeah, so navigating those kind of, you know, ups and downs is definitely a challenge for, for most businesses, especially early stage ones. I mean, I'm really inspired by your resilience in these situations. I mean, you know, something has come up, as you said, you didn't study real estate. You definitely didn't study architecture to know all about all of these different things that come up or English lit, um, but you're now an author. So I think you know, as you said, being an entrepreneur or being self-employed is very much about being resilient in situations that you're not actually particularly aware of, because I guess in most of these circumstances, there's no sort of guidebook because you are the first person to come up with this thing. So you're almost like directing your own guidebook and leaving a legacy behind you, which I think is, is fantastic. And what would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? And why do you think this has kind of stood out from your other successes and achievements? I think, I mean, personally, I mean, there's, I think I have two different answers. So I think from the outside perspectives, from my friends and family, other entrepreneurs that I know, they would also say that the, my resilience and combined with a very calm sort of response to not so great situations, kind of is basically what makes me successful. I don't tend to freak out, you know, I don't tend to sort of, yeah, break down and just kind of feel lost for whatever reason. Actually, I don't know. It's just kind of something I, I don't do, which has been really helpful, you know, and, uh, and, but then for me, I would say it's something completely different, actually. I think for me, the big success of my career has been me being on a journey to find 
what I'm, you know, meant to be doing and like really utilizing my strength, which is, I think is a journey that everybody actually is on, except that most of us, I mean, I did as well, went to business school. I went, you know, to work for corporates, for big corporations and things like that. You know, we started, I started a very different career path and it actually took quite a long time to readjust from that career path, you know, and I'm still on it, right? So I didn't go back to the corporate, which actually for me is my biggest success. I'm still around, you know, I'm still my own boss and I still have, you know, more ideas. I have energy to to pursue new projects, you know, and those new projects at any given point in time, I do the things that I feel are sort of in, you know, utilizing the skills that I currently have. It's the best kind of like opportunity for me to do right now. So having that agency and freedom to, to do these things is what I would feel is the big success for me. Amazing. I think from what you just said, it's so important for people to understand that some of these things do take time. You're never just going to find yourself early and be making money at an early age. You know, it's a journey that you go through. So did you always see yourself being your own boss or when you were maybe much younger, what did you actually aspire to be? Yeah, I mean, I it was definitely not when I was younger. I mean, when I was younger, uh, how do you say, like first uh, degree of immigrant children. <laughs> how do you say that? But basically my parents immigrated from China to Germany and I'm the first generation of, you know, immigrants. That's, that's how you say it. Um, naturally, they wanted me to do well. I think everybody who knows about Chinese culture a little bit, and, you know, it's quite intense when it comes to school and career and all that. So they wanted me to do well at school. They wanted me to go into a big corporate, the bigger, the better for name recognition purposes, and then just climb the career ladder there. And uh, that's what I did in the beginning, because I didn't know any better. I mean, you, you know, you kind of do what, what your parents tell you to do. And it only sort of, you know, took a couple of years in the corporate world, about four to five, for me then to realize, actually, this is not really kind of, you know, what I want to do and where sort of I feel the happiest, basically. And, um, and that's when I started to individuate, you know, on my own path, which has been actually quite a long time ago. I think I've, I've left my job about seven or eight years ago. Yeah. So that's what I sort of thought I would be doing, you know, when I was little. And now I can't really see myself going back. I think if, if there would have been, there's enough benefits of a corporate job. You, you earn typically a lot more, you have a stable paycheck. You don't have that many sort of like, you know, up and downs, of course, you know, things can happen with your boss or your team or your colleagues and whatnot. That could, there's definitely lots of corporate drama as well, but things are usually not as scary as when your business, you know, gets hit or, you know, you lose one of your biggest clients out of the blue. So, yeah, but I mean, those benefits are just, have never been, you know, enough for me to want to, to go back. I still feel that I can achieve the same level of success, if not more actually by working for myself. And I actually still think that the best is still to come, you know, for blooming founders and my work. I think that is so encouraging. As you said, the best is yet to come. And I think you're obviously still working on your business, still improving, still refining. And I think that's like the beauty of having your own business is that it's never fully refined. It's always something that you can constantly work on. Whereas sometimes I suppose being in a corporate role, there's only so much you can succeed or there's only a certain level that you can actually get to. But when you have your own thing, like that level is limitless, is unlimited, which I think is amazing. 
Um, so previous guests that we've asked on the Lost and Founded podcast is that we, they've actually stressed the importance of investing in yourself and actually doing what's best for you. So how do you think you could manage your time or how do you manage your time or take time out for yourself um, to make sure that you are doing what is best for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a, the one million dollar questions for all entrepreneurs because we are we tend to be very busy, but we also, I think, you know, if you go into this entrepreneurship journey with a sole objective to make a ton of money, I think it's going to be hard. I think you will have to have other reasons to sort of carry through because achieving that sort of economical success, definitely possible, but probably will take longer than you think. And you're going to go like through a lot of ups and downs, you know, until then. I think most entrepreneurs, when they go on that journey, it is a choice you know, you're not going on to the journey because you think, oh, I'm going to like, you know, work so much less, basically. You totally know you're going to work more because it's still all encompassing and you don't have a, you know, big team anymore and that. Therefore, for most entrepreneurs, you know, it becomes kind of like a way of life. That's why we then chose to do, choose to do things that, that are aligned with our strength, where it doesn't always actually feel like work. It's actually just, you know, things that you actually enjoy doing or you see a purpose behind and things like that. I hear that from, like, it's a, it's a case for me and I hear that from a lot of other founders as well. Like we don't really have a separation between work and life because then, you know, you go on a network and meet other people. They inspire you. So then slowly you're building up your friendship circle of lots of other founders. And yes, you then have to actually make an effort to stay in touch with your pre entrepreneurship sort of friends but it has always been really really important to me so the way I do it is actually when I left the corporate world I got rid of the nine to five which actually in my case was more of a eight to eight actually but but I got rid of that right so I had a clear kind of blank slate of a calendar and then I would make sure that the important dates you know with my friends and family are in there so if, you know, we go for brunch, if there's a wedding, if there is something kind of happening, right? I just put it in there, right? And then the rest of the time is basically what I can choose to do, right? And then I just happen to choose to learn something about entrepreneurship, to do something, to kind of, you know, work, you know, and, 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 and that's, just, that's my choice at that time. But it's a bit like, you know, this analogy of when you have like a vase and then you put like the big stones inside and then you have the, the sand, you use the sand to fill up things. So I have the big stones and I make sure I stay in touch with the people in my life that I value and, and, and I want to, you know, sort of, um, you know, keep the relationship with. And then the, the sand is basically my work. So, so whenever I have free time, I'll probably work. I mean, it's it's like very likely that I do that. And even if it's just kind of reading blog articles or learning myself. So that goes back to the self-improvement bit. You know, it's it's so important to, as the previous speaker said, to constantly in, improve your knowledge, invest in yourself, uh, stay on top of the, your games, you know, know what's going on in the world, because that will help you scan the horizon in a way, right? So you can see the new opportunities perhaps that you can seize and, and uh, yeah. I really like um, what you said about investing yourself because I think sometimes investing in yourself can mean, you know, applying for investment, but actually investing in yourself could mean learning more about your clients, building your knowledge is also investing in yourself. And I think I've really taken that away from what, what you've just said. Yeah, for me, actually the ultimate investment, you know, there is actually a quote, I forgot by who, but basically it says something about the best in, the investment in knowledge pays the best interest. 
Amazing. I'm, def I'm definitely going to check that quote to see who what the full thing is, because I already like the sound of it so far. But because you've had such an amazing journey, so much has happened, you know, you've been through so many different experiences. What would you say is, I guess, one piece of advice that you would give your younger self that you wish you heard back then, or you, that you can tell our listeners now where you're like, I wish I knew this, but obviously, you know, different things happen. Yeah. Oh, so many things, right? <laughs> what do I, what would I say? My, my one piece of advice would be to stop caring about other, what other people think of you and what you do. And I know it's really difficult when you're young and inexperienced and you don't really know how the world works and you seek approval. Uh, and cause that's how like, you know, the measure, that's the measurement stick of how you know that you have done well you know, the, the moment you kind of like think, okay, I can do stuff on my own, you know, or I've, I've kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring stuff out, focus on yourself, basically, like see what really rings true to you. Cause there's so much bullshit in this world where I think, you know, people just get like caught up in it. And then before you know it, you're retired and that's it basically. Yeah. I would definitely say, uh, stop caring about what other people think of you and just try to stay as true as possible to yourself, your own dreams, and work on those. That was incredibly freeing. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that was very like, I don't know, it just felt like a sense of what a nice way to kind of round things up is just don't care about what anybody thinks is your life is there for you to live it to the best of its potential. But that's actually all we have time for today, Lee. And I have thoroughly, we have thoroughly enjoyed you having on the podcast. Are there any social media types that you'd like our listeners to share? Yeah, so if you want to follow uh, the journey of Blooming Founders, the website is bloomingfounders.com. I publish a weekly newsletter every Friday, so you can sign up to the newsletter if you want to stay in touch with what we're up to. We're completely revamping the, the platform and the website um, next month, so there's going to be lots of new things. And then uh, you can always connect with me on LinkedIn, Luli, and then if you Google Blooming Founders, if you add Blooming Founders after my name, then yeah, you'll find me. There's only one. <laughs> and my Instagram handles, like I'm most active on Instagram out of all social media platforms is house of Lee. And there's dots between the, the words. So it's house dot of dot Lee L I. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been amazing to have you and hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Thanks for having me. It was a great, uh, yeah, I had a great time speaking with you guys. Thank you. This has been the Lost and Founded podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to head over to Instagram and let us know how you found it at Lost and Founded Pod. With new episodes being released every Thursday, you'll be ready to continue taking steps to bring your ideas to life. Wherever you listen to your podcast, be sure to follow and be notified about more inspiring stories and experiences. That's all for now, and we'll see you next week.